This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. Have you ever found that while you work really hard during the day, when you get home, that relationship with your significant other isn't where you want it to be? Have you found that sometimes, even if you're growing, that maybe that person isn't growing with you at the same pace? You've heard that marriage is hard, yet what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would allow you to connect at a deeper level with your partner? The entire month of February, we dedicated our trainings and our Living Your One Thing membership to focusing on the relationships that matter most in your life. For the week of Valentine's Day, we invited the person you're going to meet today in to provide some guidance to our members on how they can connect at a deeper level. We are sharing that conversation with you today so that it can bring value to you as well. If you're interested in checking out Living Your One Thing, you can go to the onething.com slash membership. That's with the number one in the URL. Or you can text the word accountability to the number 33444. As you listen to this episode, ask yourself the question, what one thing will I commit to implementing? Listen carefully, because when you do implement that one thing, it may just have an incredible domino effect in your life. With that, let's get into this conversation with Dr. John Howard. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. So first and foremost, give us the rundown. Who are you and why are you so good looking? Uh, <laughs> that's sweet. Hope to hear that on Valentine's Day too. There you go. Uh, thanks a lot Jeff, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Uh, I'm a big fan of the one thing of, of your work, Jay's work. So glad to see you guys working together on this project. So I'm a licensed couples therapist. So my business is helping couples get stronger, uh, have better communication, uh, more love, uh, more ease, more fun, more intimacy. Uh, and I also train therapists to be better couples therapists. So I, I teach them the neuroscience of relationships. I teach them the science of connection uh, so that they're not just fiddling around. They're giving their clients real practical exercises that actually do build uh, those intimacy muscles in the body and in the brain. That's what I do. Cool. John and I were, were talking earlier, everyone, and everybody who's in this community has heard us share that FM Alexander quote that people don't decide their futures. They decide their habits and their habits decide their futures. 
What's amazing is how much energy and focus we bring to the professional world, yet we know if wifey ain't happy, life ain't happy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just If things aren't good at home, it starts to spill over and show up everywhere else. That quote is so true in relationship life because you know that's an area of our lives where like business, we get very romantic and idealistic and we have these big, big visions. And we get into a relationship and we say, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then reality takes over because we don't have a plan. So especially in relationships, we have to be more focused on the habits that we're bringing to our relationship moment by moment, day by day, really focused there and not on these sort of big, real, you know, uh, idealistic goals that we tend to have because then life just happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and by the way, folks, part of the beauty of you being in living your one thing is um, we can bring somebody like John to you. Please, this is your time. This is your training. And I already told John, we're going to be looking at the questions box. I want you to be driving the conversation today. So as things start to come up, please submit that. And I've got my fabulous little team over here who's going to be fielding stuff to me or throwing things at me, one or the other. If we could only form one habit, John, What's the one habit that we can form such that by forming it would transform our relationships? Well, we know from the new science of relationships that connection is where it's at. Uh, That often that when we're arguing, what we're really arguing about is not feeling connected with the other person. It's not so much, you know, the kids and the money and cleanliness. I mean, we, we pick those issues as proxies because in the subconscious, there's this underlying sense. We just don't feel connected to each other. So the habit that would make the most impact would be a habit that increases connection at the fundamental level. And I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but it's not the fancy thinking parts of the brain that really determine connection. It's more these simple, stupider parts of the brain that are making that decision. And too often our connecting habits are too fancy. You know, we're using a lot of words. Uh, you know, we go on too long, a lot of fancy concepts, and we kind of stress people out sometimes trying to connect to them. We sort of lose people. So a habit I think would really up the connection factor is hugging more, but the slow kind of hugging, you know, not the quick pat on the back, like, hey, nice to see you go on to the next thing kind of hug. Uh, the nervous system really appreciates having a little bit of time body to body to kind of sync sync up and get the message that we're connected. It's a little bit of a slow uh, part of our body. Mm-hmm. So touching more, in this case, hugging is a fantastic habit. And maybe if you're one of those people that tends to connect through words, hang back on the words a little bit and use more touch. Well, talk, talk about the welcome home exercise, because I thought that was a really interesting comment. Yeah, Jeff and I were talking about this earlier. So one of my mentors, Dr. Stan Tatkin, he wrote a book called Wired for Love. He's out of UCLA Medical School. I'm a big fan of his work. And he developed an exercise called the Welcome Home Exercise. And what that is, is anytime you've been apart for a while, I mean, you know, the most common is when we've been at work, we haven't seen our partner during the day. So it's that time after work when you're reuniting. But what you do is you develop a habit in your relationship of hugging when you reunite before you say too much. You come together, you embrace, you hold it, typically until you feel your body's relaxed. That's sort of an indication that the nervous system got the message. And what that does is it connects you really deeply at the subconscious level. 
it sends this message of, hey, we're connected, we're friendly, we're good, we're on the same team. That message goes in pretty deeply when you connect like that. And it helps prevent arguments. Uh, and of course, after you've hugged for a little bit, you can talk, you know, how was your day? Nice to see you, you know, what happened? But you try not to do that right away in order to do the hug first. Mm. Folks, what questions do you guys have at this point? Yeah, I, I, I mean this. I want you guys to be driving the conversation. It's interesting, John. I was, um, I think Inez just ran downstairs actually to go talk to my wife real quick. But I told, I told Amy when I come into the house, like nothing would make me feel better than if before she tells me all the dishes I got to do and the, what the kids messed up, like just come and and give me the big hug. Which of course my love language is touch. But it was mm-hmm. it was interesting to hear you put it in these words because that is the connection that I really need. Uh, whereas her love language is much more the the words of affirmation, the the acts of service. It's not the way she expresses, but it's the way that I receive. Well, I've got to tell you, Jeff. E- even you know, considering love languages and all that, so hugging like this when you reunite obviously sends a powerful message to the nervous system, but it sends a very powerful message just at the psychological level. I mean, when somebody makes a beeline to you. And you're the very first thing that they want to attend to. It's not the dog. It's not the fridge. It's not this. You know, you feel so special. You feel so important. And if that's the very first thing partners do, it's like that kind of sits with you all evening. So I bet even someone with her love languages would take that sense of importance from that activity. Mm, that's interesting. Um, go into the questions box. Lynn says, what, what habit suggestions do you have for those of us who live alone? If, if by alone you mean you're not in a relationship, then the habits in terms of increasing a sense of well-being, a sense of connection, safety in the world are pretty much all the same. You know, as human beings, we're tribal creatures, uh, we're, we're wired for connection. So even if we're not in relationship, we have relationships with people. And typically those relationships are meaningful. Um, might be our friends, might be certain coworkers, might be certain family members, heck, even pets can fit the bill. But think about the relationships that you do have in your life and think about how you might be able to deepen those or make them just a little bit more special. Uh, Sometimes we're putting our relationships on automatic a little bit. We don't reach out to the important people in our lives. So, you know, if you don't have a partner on Valentine's Day, it doesn't matter. It's, It's a day that celebrates love. You know, call a friend, call a family member and say, hey, I don't have a partner to reach out to this day, but I thought about you. And I thought about how meaningful our relationship is to me. And I just wanted to express that to you. And when you feed your relationships, they tend to actually create other deeper relationships. Mm -hmm. We we never want to be sitting on the sidelines too much of relationship in general. Yeah. A few people, Audi Audi asked one that said, what about when you're apart for a long time and their love language is physical touch? So for the people who maybe they don't don't have that natural, they're going to see each other every day. How do we facilitate that connection? So that's tough. You know, I mean, that reminds me a little bit of some of my clients in the military where one person may be deployed for six months at a time, et cetera. It is difficult under those circumstances to continue to feel connected. But here are some things you can do. You know, FaceTime is awesome because you can see each other. You can see body language. It's better than just being able to hear the voice. Um, There was a study that showed that when you move from person to person interaction to video, 
you lose about 50% of the information that the nervous system takes in from connection. And when you go from video to phone, you know, you lose another 25% or so. So I always encourage long distance partners to do a lot of video chat. Gives you the most information possible. You can see the eyes, you can see the face. And when you're on that FaceTime or on that uh, video chat, talk about touch, talk about how you would be touching her right now if you were together, talk about where you'd be putting your hand. I mean, you don't have to get too racy with it, but when you give people the. <laughs> not that kind of show, I know. But, you know <laughs> when you give people the, the impression that this is how you would be with them if you were together in person, you know, if we were together in person right now, I'd be holding your hand. I would take your hand right now. I would put an arm around you. I would just give you this big hug and just hold you. So by communicating that, you're still speaking that person's love language by proxy, and it communicates that sense of physical touch. Mm, that's cool. That's cool. When you look at what are the things that we're currently doing that's creating the majority of the disconnection? What do you find that to be? Great question, because some of those are specific to our time, uh, specific to technology and just living in an information uh, inundated environment. Mm -hmm. So connection requires presence. We have to be fully present enough with each other for the connection system to, to do its work and take its measurements and so on. And in this day and age, very often we're not present enough with each other for that to occur. Uh, we sort of, exactly, yeah, the phones. Uh, you know, we sort of glance at each other and then, you know, we, we talk sort of looking at the wall. Um, you know, we, we stand side by side a lot, like cooking together or driving in the car or sitting on the couch. Um, and so what's important is to be more present. What that means is not multitasking at times. I'm not saying, you know, you can never multitask around your partner, but you want to have at least one time every day where you're with your partner and you're not multitasking. Again, that sends a very powerful message that they are a priority to you. And when somebody treats us that way, it feels really nice. So make sure your devices are turned off and put away. You know, don't just pick up the phone because it rings. Don't just check your email because you heard a ding. Um, you know, try to keep TVs off and, and, you know, things off and have some really dedicated time face to face body to body, eye to eye, where you're speaking from your heart to your partner and you're giving them very dedicated presence and attention. I think that's really important in this day and age. It's interesting. This even happened last week where I have developed um, a habit of when I walk into the house, I put my phone face down either up on the counter or I'll even go and walk it into my office and close the door. And when I do that, it's all those moments when I get just a little bit bored for a second that my natural reaction is to reach for the phone to get that stimulus and yeah. it's not there. So I remain present. And last week, uh, I put it on the counter and I was sitting at the counter, which never happens. And my wife turned her back to go handle something with the kids real quick. And I found myself grabbing the phone without even thinking and looking at it. And yeah. she came back and she just said, are you here or are you at work? <laughs> oh, so I got, it, was, it was three seconds. Are you no kidding me? Time. Now you see? Uh, but it, it wasn't even the fact that I was on it. It was just, it was time that wasn't focused. It goes, to, it goes to show how our partners track those things, right? Even though your habit is normally to be present. Mm -hmm. The nervous system is definitely paying attention to whether people are present with us or not. And we'll notice that glance away. We'll notice the multitasking. It doesn't feel good generally unless you're both deciding to interact that way. Um, so yeah, just being conscious of, 
you know, putting all this media and information overload and technology devices aside, being human to human with your partner is really important. What are what are the twenty percent fights or points of contention that generate eighty percent of the disconnect? Well, so I, I think I would phrase that is that a lot of the time when we're arguing, we're actually arguing about disconnection and we don't know it. Now, if we can be aware of that and put our attention toward connection and not just trying to resolve the issue of the day, like you and I were talking earlier, I think about, you know, in this model, we could say 80% of your issues would probably be significantly reduced or go away altogether. Because when we're arguing, what we're really saying is, I don't feel connected to you. I don't know where you went. I don't know where you are. I don't, I don't know how to express myself to you. I don't feel safe with you. That's really the underlying message. Do we really care that much about whether the dish was put you know, in the sink or on the counter or you know, how much soap was put in the dish? I mean, these kinds of things, or whether somebody came in five minutes late. When people feel connected, that stuff doesn't matter nearly as much as it does when we don't feel connected and we need to use it as a proxy for an important message, which is, hey, I'm not sure I feel like you really care about me. I'm not sure I feel very important to you right now. I'm not sure you really care to know me. I'm not sure I feel like you take an interest in me. So the the big bang for the buck would be to put your attention more on whether you feel connected or not. And if you don't, be willing to speak to that level of your relationship. Don't mm-hmm. use, you know, the kids and you know, parenting, all stuff as proxies because it's a never-ending loop where you keep arguing about the issue of the day. Sometimes we just have to turn to our partner and say, I'm sure that issue may seem very important right now. But I think maybe what we're talking about is that sometimes we don't know if we really are that important to each other or, you know, I don't know if we really care for each other. So be willing to have the harder conversation because it gets down to the root of the conflict. Yeah, well, I remember hearing the difference between most of us talk about the smoke when in reality we're not dealing with the fire. Yes. And, you know, people heard in episode 100 when I had my conversation with Susan Scott, I shared that the number one source of tension between my relationship with Amy has just been finances. And us getting on the same page in terms of intentionally crafting a lifestyle and a budget that's within a very specific number so that we can afford to reinvest in the business as it scales. And yep. as, as you said all this to me earlier, I started to think about all the weeks when we had our family meeting and when we weren't hitting our numbers and I'm getting so upset and really it wasn't about the numbers at all. I felt like we weren't on the same team. Exactly. I felt like we weren't connected, rowing in the same direction. And even the moment since then, when we have missed the number, yet I could tell that it was a partnership, there was a connection there. Exactly. Right. We're more willing to forgive if we feel like we're on the same team. Yeah, that's super interesting. You mentioned being willing to have the tough conversations. And I think that's where people are hearing this. And, And I'll ask it as a question. How many of you have someone in your life that really matters to you. There's tension in the relationship. There's a there's disconnection and you are afraid to say what needs to be said. If so, put me in the chat box. I'm not going to call you out, but let's let's I want you to realize how many of you are in the same boat and the me's are flooding in. Okay? So if you're one of those people, you're not alone. You're actually in good company. Can, can you walk us through how do we begin to have that kind of conversation? Because I'm just imagining if everybody could walk away from this training and go where they naturally want to hide, ROI from the training. 
Okay, here's here's how you do it is a lot of times the mistake we make when we feel disconnected or there's some friction, we're annoyed a little bit, is we get critical, we get judgmental, and we blame our partner. And we start assigning you know, blame for the disconnection to things they do, ways they say things. I think most of us realize that's an error, right? We need to be a little bit more self-responsible than that. So many of us have been trained to use more responsible language, to say things in terms of, I feel X, Y, and Z. I'm going to take it to the next level. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I this and I that, and I need this and I feel that. But the way you really want to approach this difficult conversation about this connection is with a we. And this is a more evolved way of having a team conversation because I can say, you know what, I feel disconnected from you. I feel alone. I feel unappreciated. And what you're going to say next is, oh, gee, I'm sorry to hear that. You know what? I feel that way as well. And then we're sort of sitting there almost competing, you know, for needs or, you know, who are we going to talk about first? The easiest way to have this conversation is to approach your partner and say, I love you. You are so important to me. I am so blessed to be with you. And I've just been noticing lately, maybe you have too, that I think we could do a better job at some things. You know, I've been reflecting on the fact that we're really good at some things. You know, we get the kids dressed in the morning and to school on time. You know, we remember to send uh, thank you cards to our friends, you know, on certain occasions. But gosh, you know, there's some things that sometimes I feel like we're not very good at as a couple. Maybe you feel those things too. And I would love to just have a plan to work with you to get better at those things. So, you know, listen to how much teamwork and sense of we I'm putting into this communication. Uh, that makes a big difference. Mm. How do we start the conversation so that it's something that every single person can at least get started? For me, honestly, I think uh, the smoothest and easiest conversation starter is similar to what I described. You might simplify it, um, yeah. but something along the lines of, hey, I really appreciate being in this relationship with you. And I think you and I, I think we can get better at some things that would make us both feel a lot better in the relationship. What do you say we talk about that? So acknowledge appreciation, acknowledge the opportunity for growth, and invite them into the conversation. Yep. And keep it a we, keep it a collective. Um, if you get in trouble, write the issue on a piece of paper and stick it on the wall and stand holding hands, looking at it. You don't want issues to come between you, you and your partner are a team. And so when it starts to have that feeling of you versus me, you know, you, you need to recognize that and what we call externalize the issue, get it, get it out of the system a little bit where you can both look at it and get back to your joint brainstorm. Yeah. I'll share after my conversation with Susan Scott, when I got clear that I needed to have a different conversation with my wife, it also became abundantly clear that I was showing up in the conversation trying to solve my pain point. Mm -hmm. Money was my pain point. It was my hot button when things got spent without us having a plan mm -hmm. for it. And I assumed that it was her problem as well. Mm -hmm. And it became very clear to me that um, her problem was actually entirely different. And mm. in fact, the number one thing that alleviated her problem was money. Spending money alleviated her pain and created mine. 
Mm-hmm. And the moment I showed up in the conversation and apologized first and foremost and said, I'm sorry, because for the last six months, I have been ramming this down your throat Ooh. and wondering why I've been facing resistance. And I've never actually figured out what's the thing you are struggling with most and how do I help you get what you want? Wow. That's a really big deal, Jeff. A lot of people can't do that. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, it's been good. It's going in the right direction since. I mean, I think the the thing is, and we talk about this, you know, the, the accountability thing and the people in this community know this. Anytime you point the finger, you got three fingers pointing right back at you. So yeah. if you're showing up, going to blame, shame, and justification, we know accountability starts by looking in the mirror. Yep. Yeah, you know, and we're very we're a very individualistic society. You know, we're all about being confident and self-reliant and having it together and setting goals and making things happen. In relationship life, you know, we have to remember that it's all about how the collective is working together. The the analogy I use is that of a football team. You know, if you're a sports fan, you know there's some teams with really talented stars on that team. But those stars don't necessarily work well together. Sometimes the egos are too big. Sometimes they haven't practiced enough. They just bring somebody in. They hope something's going to happen. And if that team plays a team of, let's say, you know, B talent, not A talent, but that team works really well together, they know how to compensate for each other's flaws. They know how to work smoothly with each other. It's often the better team, the better coordinated team uh, that has a good chance to win that game. Now, marriage and relationship operates on the same principle. You can be individually talented and smart and all those things. That doesn't mean you're going to work smoothly with your partner. You have to remember that it's a lot about coordination and it's a lot about practice. Uh, and as you know, Jeff, we have some some courses that we offer to couples on our website. And the reason we designed them the way we did is because a lot of relationship growth today is about talking about the issues, but that doesn't help partners as much as practicing the right skills. You know, we know when it comes to habit formation, you can't just sit around and talk about a new habit you're going to develop. You have to practice that even when it's uncomfortable and awkward and you're faking it till you make it and you feel like you're in a soap opera or something. So in relationship, it's about working together. That's why if you approach these conversations from a we standpoint, you're owning the collective, not just me or you or I, uh, you're already speaking to the fact that, hey, it's our job to work together as a team on anything that comes up in our lives. Amazing. I, I want to turn it to all of you as members to to let's do go into some Q&A and we'll customize it to you from here on. I, I will let you guys know if you guys open up a browser tab and you go to the one thing.com with the number one slash ready, set, love. The one thing.com slash ready, set, love. You can learn more about the the online trainings that John does. You know, not everybody's in a position where they can afford one-on-one time with with John. And that's where this comes into play if it's a fit. I love what Dee said. Dee said, take away, what are you struggling with most? And how can I help you get what you want? This is a family. I don't know if you figured this out yet, but this is not about just being talking heads or trying to be experts. We're on a journey together. I don't, Jay popped his head in a little bit ago. None of us are perfect. Every single one of us is dealing with something, struggling in some area of our life. And the the faster that we start actually being vulnerable and sharing the fact that we're struggling, the faster we all connect. So many of you said that you are struggling with at least one person in your life right now. Great. Let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. Because we're in the business of getting results, not in the business of hallucinating our reality. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, on that point, Jeff, of vulnerability, 
One of the most powerful moves we can make, things we can say in relationship is please help me. <laughs> please help me. And I have so many instances working with clients, you know, often it's men, but it's not always men, but you know, where we're stressed, we're anxious, we're kind of suffering inside. We feel disconnected and we're sort of keeping it to ourselves, hoping things will get better. So we don't really open up to our partner. You know, we don't really open up to our friends or our family members. I had a guy who uh, was just really unhappy, uh, really stressed. He'd come home. He was bossing everybody around. He'd get super controlling. The day he came home and looked his family in the eye and said, would you guys help me? And he lay down on the carpet and his kids started giving him a massage mm. and just helping like rub the tension out of his body. The whole family was different from that day forward. So when you're talking about vulnerability, we, we're all struggling with something and we're not above it. And it's the power to say, hey, I need your help. You know, maybe I am too bossy in the relationship. Maybe I do argue too much. Maybe I don't know how to talk in this we collective form. You know what? I need your help and I need your support because I want to learn how to do that. And that's a great place to begin. So that, that's a big takeaway for me is can you ask for help? In those areas where you may be pointing the finger, can you instead ask for help and be a little vulnerable with them? Um, you, you hit off something that something I witnessed because uh, we've our families have had dinner together several times. And one of the things that Amy and I were really inspired by was the rituals that you have with your kids. You know, we've been talking about facilitating connections with someone else. Can we can we drive it toward the kids? Definitely. Talk about that. Yeah. So you, sure. you talk. What have been some of those rituals and routines that you've developed with your children that allow you to just very systematically say you are important to us? Well, you know, a lot of my habits with my kids came out of something I use in my couples therapy. There, there's a questionnaire that we give couples sometimes in therapy. It's called the partner attachment inventory. And it's a series of questions about your childhood, essentially. You know, who put you to sleep at night? You know, do you remember the story that was read to you? Um, who would you go to for comfort? You know, who asked you how you were feeling on a daily basis? Really powerful questions that sometimes bring tears to people's eyes because we think some of those things happen, but we can't really remember any of it actually happening. I mean, there's sometimes a disconnect the way we fill in gaps in our memory. So I've given that attachment inventory so often that when I started having my own kids, I thought about what their answers would be if they were ever sitting in that chair and a therapist was asking them those questions. And I wanted from a selfish standpoint in a way to make sure that they had pretty good answers to those questions. So I wanted to form you know, clear memories in their mind about what our bedtime ritual is, uh, that they can come to me for comfort, that they can talk to me about their feelings. When they get scared, they can jump into my bed at night. Um, that we have songs that are, you know, family songs that we bring out every now and again and that they remember. One of the rituals we've been doing lately, which is super fun, is we do these skits right before bedtime. And the kids get attached to all these habits, by the way. They get attached to these rituals. So now they've come to expect the fact that, you know, a few times a week, we're not just going to go up and brush our teeth and get in bed. We're going to do skits first. And we pair up. My wife and I will pair up and the kids will pair up and then we switch so everybody kind of gets to work with another person in the family and think of something creative and funny. And we just make ourselves look like idiots. We do the stupidest things. We'll, we'll dress up like another person in the family. We'll make fun of each other. 
it's a really lighthearted way for the kids to express themselves, for us to express ourselves. If it's been a hard day, sometimes we'll poke fun at ourselves or something that happened. And um, it's little things like that, right? Where it started as, hey, I want them to have clear answers to these questions, but we've developed rituals and now the kids reinforce them. And that's one of our favorite ones right now. Yeah, which I, I've I've witnessed the dance parties or skits and <laughs> see John dance. That's all I got to say. Not uh, a pretty sight, but I will do it. Yeah. Talk about the the nighttime routine, like with the massaging and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. You know, kids kids have anxiety generally just from being kids. I mean, it's actually really hard being a kid. Um, you're constantly adjusting to new ways of doing things, new information, new expectations. So even development itself is kind of anxiety producing. Your body's changing so fast. So we have found massage to be a really great way to relax the kids. And for us to have bonding time with them that is relaxing, where we're not just barking orders at them. So that's another thing we do right before sleep is we all lie down. You know, the kids will give us massages. We'll give the kids massages. You know, sometimes we'll talk about what was hard about our day. We'll involve some emotion as well. But even when it's just quiet time, you know, rubbing on each other is very bonding. And it sends a message to your kids that you really care for them. You know, it's not just about telling them what to do, but you really understand how hard it is to be a kid. And you're giving them that soothing touch that tells them, hey, I get it. And part of my job is to really help care for you. Mm, I love it. Brenda asked a great question. Any suggestions for how to help our partner feel able to open up? Sometimes my husband's clearly stressed, but when I ask him what's wrong, he says nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of a classic scenario. And very often it's the guy, you know, that's not saying enough, not sharing enough. But you know what? It can easily cross genders and and be the woman, um, not always the guy. But if you have a partner that doesn't open up easily, the last thing you want to do is put a bunch of pressure on them because that personality type uh, responds to pressure by moving in the opposite direction. Um, they're not opening up because they already feel under stress just dealing with their own stuff. Um, the last thing they want is the additional stress of having to perform for you or you know, not meeting your expectations. So the way to approach that is to say something that conveys that you really understand your partner. Say something connecting and empathic instead of saying, hey, how come you never open up to me? Or why are you so silent? Which adds the burden of expectation. Say something like, you know, I love being with you and I totally get why you're quiet sometimes. It's a lot easier to be quiet than to talk to other people sometimes, isn't it? When you say something that conveys an understanding of your partner's experience, they feel like you get them, that actually causes people to open up. Uh, mm. Suddenly you'll find that person saying things to you because they trust you. Now you're not the person applying pressure that's on a different planet. Uh, but you're suddenly in their universe uh, and they go, huh, you know, I never thought my partner would actually understand me, but you know, she seems to really get me. So that would be a way to approach that. I love how you phrase it. Sometimes it's easier to be quiet, isn't it? <laughs> Question mark at the end. I want to be like, yeah, it is. Yes, it is. That's super interesting. Um, you can learn more about John again if you go to the one thing.com. That's with the number one in the URL slash ready set love. And um, I, I would ask, everyone here, out of everything you've heard in this live check-in, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make the biggest impact in your relationship? Please share that with us. I'd love to see what you guys 
say. You know, Jeff, as questions are coming in, I also want to just open up the door for people to also talk about money management in relationships. You and I were talking about that earlier. This mm-hmm. is a really big area that, that couples struggle in. Go there. Yeah. So, I mean, if anybody has a question about, hey, how do we make this money conversation smoother? How do we get on the same page? It seems to be tearing us apart. Uh, that's something I just want to remind people that we can definitely talk about. Cool. Cool. Lee asked a question. Do you have any ways to connect with our adult children and communicate love to them when when they're now empty nesters? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, people are people. And the biggest mistake parents make with adult kids is they don't shift the relationship. Uh, this is something that maybe you've already done. Typically, according to research, it's on the kids to do it, but it's kind of a burden they don't want to carry. You know, they're not small kids anymore. So it's not really about telling them how they should live their life or giving them advice on their decisions. You want to really respect them as individuals and connect to them like you would your best friend, right? Like really ask them about their experience, ask them about their worldview, let them teach you about themselves mm. as an adult. They probably have different ideas now uh, than they did, you know, the last time you had a deep conversation about this thing or that thing. So when you open the door to really just listen to your kids so you can learn more about who they are, that makes them feel like they're having an adult to adult relationship with you. That's what causes them to call more often and stay in touch, et cetera. Um, If they still feel like a kid with you, they need to move on with their adult life and you won't know as many of those things. But when you switch the relationship, take an interest in them, they start to lean on you more just person to person, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, several people asked us to talk about the money conversation. Uh, I'll just ask us if for the people who they are not true, they don't truly feel like they're a partnership when it comes to the finances. We know yeah. this is the number one cause of divorce, right? right? Where do you begin? So it's so, so common, right? So where do you begin? You begin where uh, we mentioned before um, is always a good place to begin. And that's with a we, a positive we conversation. So the place to begin is not to be critical or judgmental or blaming. The place to begin is to say, look, you're my family. I I love you. I love being with you. I think this is an area that we could maybe do a better job in. And I just really look forward to the opportunity for you and I to work together on this. I think it's going to make us happier. I think it's going to make us more relaxed. I know we have some differences, but we respect each other. I know we can talk about those differences. So the money conversation is tough because it brings up so many issues of safety and security. So it kind of rocks our boat at the core level. We all get very defensive and protective, and um, that's why it's difficult. So yeah. what's, important, what's important to keep in mind is start with an emotional conversation that gets you feeling connected. You know, where is your vulnerability in the conversation? Does it scare you? Does it make you nervous? Does it make you rigid inside? Do you just want to complain? So try to get on the same page in terms of the feelings that it brings up before you get to budgeting and spreadsheets and bank accounts and all that stuff. Because if you just jump into the technical detail and you don't take care of each other emotionally, it's typically not going to go well. Well, one question came in. What do you do if you have different views of money? You know, I I can share like um, Amy was more raised in one where it was live for the now. And Uh I have been the save and invest for the future, Mm -hmm. right? So when you have different views on money and you're even trying to get together, what does that look like? 
So my wife and I have the opposite profile, Jeff. I'm I'm the short-term gratification person that just, you know, wants things now. And sometimes I don't even think about, you know, what it's costing us. Um, and she's a very good planner for the long term. So we we have that very same dynamic. So, you know, I'm a big fan of practical methods uh, that give couples a framework for budgeting and saving, et cetera. Uh, otherwise, you find yourselves revisiting these differences weekly or monthly, and it, it's a cause of conflict and arguments. So I'm a big fan of the methods that exist that put couples through a conversation where you kind of figure out what you want to do, and then you set it up, and it mostly runs on automatic. And automation is very, very helpful uh, to managing financial differences because you only have to have the conversation once and agree on some set of common goals. You know, Maybe you would typically save more and she would typically spend more. But you find that common ground and you set up your accounts to automate the flow of money into investments and retirement, et cetera. That way you can relax and know, hey, money's going to the right things for the long term. She can relax knowing, hey, we don't have to talk every single week about how much money is in the spending account for the short term. So automation is a lifesaver, but you still have to have that conversation at first of, hey, look, you and I are different, but we love those differences. We came together in order to bring those differences into our lives. So let's not let them bite us in the butt on this. You know, let's find common ground that respects those differences. The case with me and my wife, I have so much respect and appreciation for her long-term planning capability. I don't have that bone in my body. That's not something I'm good at, but I have a very deep appreciation of how valuable that is. And she at times can also reflect on how nice it is to not really think about things and just go out and have fun, just live for the moment and just be spontaneous. So we have enough of a healthy respect for those differences that we can find common ground. But I have to tell you, if if we weren't using structure and methods to automate our financial lives, we would have to have this conversation way more often than we do. And thankfully, we found some systems that pretty much run behind the scenes and make us both feel comfortable so we don't have to bring it up as much. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're hitting on the folks where in your relationship, especially in the money management, are you acting entrepreneurially, relying on your natural abilities to hopefully just figure it out versus acting purposefully, yeah. identifying a model and a system that once put in place automatically allows you to shatter your ceiling of achievement. A- Amy yeah. and I really went back and forth on this because if we extra, if there was ever an extra windfall of money that came in, I'm thinking, save the whole thing. She's thinking, <laughs> let's go shopping. And we had to figure out that structure. And we agreed 80% went to investment, 20% went to the fun fund. And right. now she just she just knows if 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 mama wants to go do something, we got to raise the fund fund. And she knows that only 20% is going there. And uh, that's yeah, actually that's helped example. a lot. That's a good question. Really good question. All right, folks, let's do one more. Please go ahead and share that. I will say that the biggest ahas for people, the number one was hug more. Number two was stripping the tech out. Like it was yeah. just, those were the two back to back. So that's really cool, guys. Thank you. By the way, on hugging more, since that was such a takeaway for some of you, hugging more also goes along with getting a little closer physically, uh, incorporating more touch generally, uh, making more eye contact, being more fully present with each other. All these things actually go together because they speak connection directly to the nervous system, or you might say the stupid part of the brain. 
So, you know, whenever you're wanting to be more connected, just sit closer, uh, hold hands, put an arm around each other, make a little bit more eye contact than you normally would. And you'll definitely notice a difference. Really good question. It's so hard to be intimate with your partner when you don't feel at all connected with them. Suggestions. The suggestion is is really just the same that we've been discussing. It is hard to initiate a conversation about what's going on. But a lot of the times, the reason why we don't is because we fear conflict. Uh, we fear being critical. We just don't want to mess with the you know, the, the nastiness, the dirtiness of having a, an awkward conversation. But if you can go into that conversation with a positive message uh, of, hey, I love this and we can get even better at this, um, sure, you might not be feeling, uh, you know, completely that way in the moment, but the message sets up your objective, which is there's something that needs to improve here. So rather than just crapping all over, you know, you and this relationship, trying to express that, I need to come in with a positive message that builds you up, builds me up, appreciates us, you know, pats us on the back for what we're doing well. You know, maybe we're still managing to feed our kids. That's a great accomplishment. You know, maybe there's some other things we're not doing well, but it is hard to broach the space when you feel disconnected. One of you has to do it. Otherwise, you're looking at a very long time of those things hanging around. And if I know you can muster up the energy for it, it just takes one person to break the ice and say, look, I'm so sorry. I know we've been feeling disconnected. I really want to do something about that. I have some ideas for positive things we can do with each other. Just take our connection to the next level. What do you think? Do you have some ideas too? And try to approach it positively. That's typically more successful. Yeah. Well, John, thanks so much for coming on today. And folks, um, we asked every single one of you, what's the one thing that you can do? We're talking about implementing this in the relationships that matter most to us. Is it important enough for it to be on your 411? Is it important enough for you to open up your calendar and to intentionally schedule that time to do it once? To prove to yourself that you can begin to affect change in those relationships that matter. Here's what's really interesting. We, we asked many of you recently um, a series of questions because we're on our own road to mastery, figuring out how we bring more value to you. The number one thing uh, that has stopped many of you from getting as much value as you could be getting is not time blocking this. How many of you would have been disappointed if you missed this? If you didn't intentionally set the time? So we honor you for being here and we want to encourage you to go back to the training calendar tab, go to productive.com with a K instead of a C, click on training calendar, block the rest of the trainings for the rest of this month. Get it on the calendar. Whether you show up or not is now a conscious decision. Get it on the calendar because that's where you get the most out of this. Well, there you have it, our conversation with Dr. John Howard. If you'd like to hear more about him, you can check out his new podcast, Ready, Set, Love, anywhere podcasts are available. And if you would like to learn more about his online trainings, you can go to theonething.com slash ready, set, love. And that's with the number one in the URL. So theonething.com slash ready, set, love. At the beginning of this episode, we asked you to set an intention that you would listen carefully, that you would identify one thing that you can do such that by doing it would allow you to have a deeper connection with that significant other. What was your one thing? 
consciously hold it in your mind and ask yourself the question, when will I commit to getting this done by? When will I commit to taking this action? We would suggest to you that you time block it. We know you are infinitely more likely to take the action if it is on your calendar. And we'll ask the question, how can you bring some accountability to this? What's the consequence if you don't take action? What's that thing that you are looking to resolve that will continue to exist in your life if you choose not to take action? I'll share with you after this conversation, I came home and I talked to Amy about it. You know, the, just the idea of the hug and the embrace. I happen to know that touch is my love language. And over the last week or two, she's made an effort around that. And it just, for me, it makes a huge difference. I feel differently when I walk in the door and, and Jeff gets his snuggles. Something so small can make such a big difference. Our question for you is, will you take action? As always, if this episode has brought value to you, please leave us a review on your podcast player of choice. Let us know that you heard the episode with Dr. John Howard and give us your feedback because we craft our future content calendar based on your feedback. And it also helps us reach more people. Your words inspire others to listen to the show and you know the value that that can bring to them. If you are one of those people who is just discovering the One Thing podcast for the first time, click the subscribe button. That way, all future episodes will automatically get downloaded to your device. And if you'd like to work with us in our membership community called Living Your One Thing, you can go to the onething.com slash membership. That's with the number one in the URL. Or you can text the word accountability to the number 33444. Thank you so much for investing your time with us today. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.